0: Good morning and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. Hi, everyone. My name is Shimon Shkuri, president of Ariel Property Advisors. And today I have with us two of our esteemed team members in Upper Manhattan. One of them is James Nestor. Hello, James. Hi, everybody. The other one is Mark Anderson, who's joining us as well. Hi, guys. How are you doing?
1: Thank you for having us.
2: Good. Thanks for having us on.
0: Excellent. And, and today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've seen in terms of numbers in the first six months of 2021. And the numbers were super interesting, as they usually are. And I wanted to start with you, James. Just tell us a little bit about SWAHI, about Washington Heights and Inwood, it was yeah. one of the most, if not the most, transactional submarket in Upper Manhattan. What were the drivers? What happened there?
2: Yeah, so both Washington Heights and Inwood were actually pretty active the first half of this year. Washington Heights, $62 million in, in dollar volume. They also experienced 10 transactions, which is the most transactional out of all the subcores up in Northern Manhattan. $40 million of that 62, though, can be found in two outlier deals that we saw. There was a four-building portfolio that sold on West 171st Street and West 172nd Street. That was a deal that traded for around $20.6 million. And then the second was 106 Pinehurst Avenue. That was a deal that sold for $19.5 million. And that was a pretty heavy-regulated building there. These were rent-stabilized buildings predominantly, right? Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Both these trades were actually heavily stabilized. Uh, that's something that we've started to see a lot of up this way. Right. So one of the buckets of
0: multifamily these days is clearly uh, rent-stabilized or predominantly rent-stabilized buildings. We mm-hmm. have free market as, as another sub-bucket when we have affordable. And what's interesting is to see that after age's TPA, we haven't had a tremendous amount mm-hmm. of transactions. And that's both you and Mark see it, I'm sure, in your respective areas. What do you think is happening now? Why is there an in activity? The rent stabilized or subsegment of rent stable, predominantly rent stabilized units?
2: I think there's a couple of reasons there. One being, you know, we had such a slow year last year coming out of 2019 that investors probably just had more time to digest the New York State Tenant Protection Act and really dive in a little further and realize that there's still going to be value to these properties here. The horizon of the investment might be a little further out, but New York City, there's still going to be a need and want to invest in these areas. Secondly, yeah, the other reason would be going back to COVID. Something we saw in other areas of the city were very high vacancies. In this particular area, most of northern Manhattan, I would say, these are long-term tenants. A lot of them also don't have second homes to go to in in the scenario that we saw last year. So they were staying put, and the owners didn't really experience the vast vacancies that some of the other core areas so I feel like Manhattan or parts of Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, and and I think what's interesting that she said is 2020 has been a very tough year. So coming out of 2020, everything looks mm-hmm. rosier, right? And the second thing is HSTPA, the Housing Stability and Town Protection Act definitely affected pricing clarity. It wasn't clear how rent stabilized units are going to trade moving forward. And really for the first time, we started seeing them go through the system now. And I think moving forward, With more clarity, we'll see more of them. And and Mark sees that as well. And both of you see development trading as well. What's happening in the development market, not just in the multifamily market in Upper Manhattan? What do you see today?
2: We actually sold a development site on West 134th Street in spring. That was kind of a bellwether sale that we saw. Very indicative of where we are right now in the market. 521 West 134th is 19,000 total square foot site traded for around $150 buildable square foot. And if you look at the historical data there, that's a 20 to 30% discount of what we've seen in the past. So I think developers are really recognizing that and chasing the sites. That's great. I actually started my
0: career in East Harlem and I know East Harlem has both development sites and Mark, you were covering that area where both development sites, as well as multifamily Mark. It has been also a transactional, relatively transactional submarket in the second half of 2021. What do we see there? What's happening?
1: Yeah, so first off, Shimon, thank you for having me. I think it's important to reflect all together on a small transaction volume, that really the entire Norman Manhattan experience since the beginning of the pandemic, not just East Harlem. Just for a comparison, the first half of 2017 and 2018 produced as much as four times. The transaction that we observed in the past couple of quarters. So East Harlem is transactional. If you read our reports, Washington Heights is actually the most transactional submarket. But because of such a small transactional volume that we experienced, that it beat East Harlem only by a single transaction. I think it was ten versus nine. So I think what's interesting to point out was in the past few years, or I guess historically. Central Harlem was the predominant most transactional submarket. And then East Harlem was always like the second best. And what we start seeing a switch really a few years before the new rent law was elected, especially in 2017, 18, and leading to the period we have now, is that the East Harlem was the most transactional submarket for three or four years now, straight. And if you take this as an outlier, and as James pointed out, there was a few outlier sales in Worcestern Heights. I think East Harlem remain the dominant most transactional status over there yeah you said small
0: transactions and just from statistics i remember that the majority of the multifamily transactions citywide in the past quarter have been in transactions that are less than twenty million dollars about probably sixty or seventy percent of them so that's good for east island but that's good for the city as a whole i think a lot more you know smaller investors are in multifamily deals actually seeing the opportunity of high net worth. we have family offices. We have smaller syndicators seeing the opportunity in the current yield cap rate that we have in New York City in general, compared to other places in the country. Today's cap rates are higher than what we've seen before, TPA for sure. But going back to East Harlem, what's driving it? What are the drivers? What do you see changing in a good way, Mark? What do you think is happening there? Is it zoning changes? What's happening?
1: Well, I think there's a number of reasons why East Harlem became a, a more appealing market or submarket to, to investors out there. I think that entire infrastructure and landscape of East Harlem is rapidly changing every year. And if you look at a 125th Street corridor between, let's say, Fifth Avenue and, and Second Avenue, you're going to notice a significant number of brand new projects, such as one East Harlem. There's a new Salvation Army building, Smile building, Extel is building a new project where the former Pathmark was. And I think if you look at additional catalysts, they're happening besides just like new projects. Also, the 2nd Avenue subway is hopefully one day going to have that expansion from 96th Street to 125th Street, which is going to further boost the value of the assets in, in that direct proximity. But I think what you mentioned before of not just a local influence, but what's happening like nationwide, it's interesting to point out a very highly specialized buildings such as the proton centers which are actually really rare in the united states and not even every state has them, but every other state so there's only 25 proton centers because they're like really cutting-edge technology and they're immensely expensive institutions one of them actually landed in east harlem believe it or not so we have a brand new proton center on 126th street and that really tells the tale of how appealing east harlem is not just domestically to local investors and developers, but also to house institutional capacity buildings such as a proton centers, it, it really tells a lot. And I think that you mentioned rezoning as well, did rezoning help boost the appeal of East Harlem? In my opinion, I think not, absolutely not. I think that East Harlem rezoning great as an idea and usually the way the they're very appealing to investors and developers. This time around, it came with a mandatory inclusionary housing or MIH, and as a contingency debt, instantly made those sites rezoned sites less desirable and less transactional. So, if you closely analyze it, everything that I just mentioned in this vast majority of new projects in East Harlem, they're really happening in those like small little gaps, not affected by MIH.
0: Upper Manhattan then doing well, bounced back like the rest of the city in a big way. Moving forward, what are we going to see?
1: I just want to say like real quick that since 2010, we saw a fantastic bull market that was lasting pretty much till 2018. And as it was great for investors to double or triple their investment, as a consequence, we also experienced a really contraction of of the pricing metrics. And like you mentioned before, we weren't foreigners to sell something at four cap or sub four cap in previous years and really wasn't sustainable. So what I see as a positive outcome of this pandemic and a little bit of market correction is a correction in your pricing metrics as well. If you read our reports, right now we are seeing on average cap rate in Norman happen above six cap, GRM is sub nine or 9.14 and dollar per square foot is to 27. So simply said, it's just like way more affordable and attractive for investors and that, in my opinion, is going to drive even more interest in Norman Ed.
0: And I, I want to build on what you said, Mark, just to right. be clear. On the deal that we're
1: marketing right
0: now, these metrics don't apply anymore because the average prices are really lagging indicators. Uh, I believe from what we're seeing is that the numbers are Mm -hmm. on the way higher. So definitely jump in. If you are interested in deals in upper Manhattan, this is the time. It's probably not going to last. We're on the way up, not down at this point. The down was last year. I hope you
2: agree with that, but that's my observation.
1: Absolutely. I agree. The time is now.
2: Absolutely. I think we saw the correction last year. We're going to continue to see an increase for the remainder of this year, definitely. I think there's going to continue to be an appetite for development sites. As I mentioned, the sunsetting of the 421A is going to be pretty big, so pay attention to that. And I think investors are going to continue to get a little more comfortable with the New York State Tenant Protection Act, and we'll continue to monitor that and see where that goes.
0: Thank you, James. Thank you, Mark. That summarizes our Northern Manhattan report.